Welcome, my name is Matt, I'm here with Andrew today, we're going to be talking about E.T., the extraterrestrial, why E.T. got sick and then better, and what makes this movie so personal to Spielberg in our very first Spielberg September, so grab your popcorn and Reese's Pieces and let's break it down on the Post Credit Podcast. some chicken sandwiches I'm looking forward to. <laughs> you know, like this hair been getting done so you get these chicken sandwiches. What? 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 And, a, okay, uh, I was about to bring something up. Uh, okay. That's why we're doing this episode so we can All bring right. stuff up. So, okay. uh, just intro this. Uh, welcome, everybody. We are um, in this month, we are calling this Spielberg September. So, do we agree on that name? For the, for, <laughs> well, I, I came up with a name and figured it was good. So, that's us agreeing on it. Very, very thoughtful. I, I, you put I a lot you don't of care. thought into that. I'm like, let's see, doesn't know Andrew doesn't care. So, Spielberg, September. They yeah, both start Spielberg, with S. September. That's why I was like, that's why I was like, well, we need to do Spielberg. Well, September's coming up and that starts with an S, too. So, let's just go ahead and do that. No, but we've been talking about doing Spielberg for a while. Yeah, you know, yeah, we yeah. do our profiles, right? So, I mean, the first one we ever did was Adam Sandler. Yeah. And that's good because that was dur- during a certain part of our lives. But Spielberg, I mean, he we defined- just got through John Hughes, so. Yeah, we did, we did a couple movies from John Hughes. And so, but Spielberg, like, defined our childhood. Yeah. You know, between George Lucas, Lucas yeah. Steven Spielberg, and John Williams. Those, oh, that, 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 that's like the holy trinity, you know, for yeah. 80s kids. Yeah. And, and, you know, for late 70s kids, 80s kids, early 90s kids, that's like the, the holy trinity right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not to be blasphemous or anything, but, you know, of movies. Yes. You know, yeah. during that time, that was this. I mean, but. you got Indiana Jones, you know, I mean, there's so many more phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, Amistad, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, The Color Purple, yeah. all the the first two Jurassic Park movies, yep. uh, E.T., Catch Me If You Can, Minority Report, mm-hmm. Um, AI, which I didn't really like. Yeah, well. Um, he did uh, a Ready Player One, which is a yeah, great movie. That was good. And this is, this is like in you know the la- latter part of his career, he's still making awesome movies like yeah. that. So, and you can tell a Spielberg movie. Here's how you tell a Spielberg movie: if by the end you've had some kind of fun during the movie, yeah. that's a Spielberg movie. Ever <laughs> okay? You know, you have the obvious exceptions like Schindler's List and well. different things. You know. <laughs> Whoever's having fun during those no, movies, this is what he does. Be scared of Sp- Spielberg, he always gives you a hero in every single one of his films. There's always a hero, and so you know he. You just go through the the, the whole path of of learning who the hero is and something or who fantastical the real is the hero. too, right? Yeah, yeah. Or whether it's aliens, dinosaurs, or even Nazis. Yeah. You know, it's just something um, that you don't. It's it's not everyday. It's not commonplace. Yeah. You you know it. It takes you back to like you know the movie Super Eight that came out mm-hmm. not too long ago. That's like an homage to Spielberg movies, you know, yeah. and to to that time of of making these types of movies. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> Clerks Three that's about to come out. Yeah, I mean that'll go down in history. You know, that'll go in the vaults of the greatest movies ever made. No, stop it. Stop bleeding the Clerks dry. I would figure Kevin Smith, being the artist that he is. 
would you say left it let's leave a little bit of juice and life in this instead of bleeding it dry yeah but now it's kind of i feel like it's kind of tainted like i don't even want to go back and watch the first clerks because the second one was so terrible it's like having mall rats too or having yeah, uh why um, um dogma part two you know yeah. it just doesn't make any sense there's no point and that actually leads us into what we're talking about today because this movie they wanted a sequel to it and yeah. he almost did a sequel to it and decided not to and decided just to leave it alone because some movies some tv shows some adaptations you just have to leave them alone it's ridiculous exactly and i understand that these studios and these uh companies they buy these properties these um what are they called uh, ips mm -hmm. and um they want to get as much money out of them because they paid money for it so they want to get as much out of them as they can yeah. but people are going to have a lot more faith in your studio and your production companies if they see that you're you know you're not drawing a six season show out to 10 or 12 seasons you're not drawing you know a a, a, a one to two season miniseries yeah. into three seasons you're not turning under the dome into you know something yeah. that it was never intended to be different things but like you know it, it has worked it has worked on with, with very few occasions jurassic rare. park's one of them you know because they they did made they yeah made but that it, but, went bad but what i'm no what i'm saying is they made those first you know that first movie right uh -huh. everybody loved it revolutionary you know, amazing they made the second one a lot of people loved it we had our opinion but, we probably liked it but yeah yeah it got panned and then the third one was just it was bleeding the series dry and so yeah you had dinosaurs talking in their sleep yeah and different things like yeah that. so it's bleeding the series dry but then they came out with the new world right and and where where you know even even me i was kind of a little i'm a big jurassic park fan but i was kind of skeptic uh, you know about it because you know i was just like uh, is this gonna be any good i mean they're changing some people around you know you don't have some of the same actors and it's a whole new story and something else you know i'm like okay i'll give it a try and i loved it but it was like but that one was like a soft reboot right yeah because it's still respected and acknowledged that the events what came before it happened yeah at least the very first jurassic park and you know i think they mentioned something about san francisco or whatever maybe but i think it was just mentioned the very first i mean even uh, jake johnson from uh new girl you know he's mm -hmm. like he's like that first park was legit yeah you know uh, and that's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek way of saying it kind of went downhill after that so yeah. know your limits know your story and know when it ends because yeah. you have a certain arc and you get to the end of it that's why, like, a lot of people, like, you have shows like NCIS and, and uh, uh, Law and & Order, shows that have gone yeah. on forever, but they have different protagonists that come in, and then they leave the show, and somebody else new comes in and different things. So it keeps it fresh. Yeah. Uh, but even that, there's not, like, it's not like um, an event show. Those aren't considered to be, like, top-tier shows like The Sopranos or The yeah. Wire or whatever. Mm -hmm. So know your limits. Know where your story begins and ends. And don't abuse that if we had more of that going on we'd probably have more originality in in, in hollywood i think yeah. instead of people just trying to copy because it gets so big and you have to continue it on and on and on and people go so, so sick of it they're like just make a copy of it with different characters so that we can like something else i think the only time that kind of works is you know you get in some of these superhero fil films you know that i think that that way it only it's the only time it works you know i mean like look at with batman right yeah because there's so many stories yeah i mean they, they did you know several different batmans all by like different you know directors except for the first two you but know obviously even those have to have kind of like an arc right yeah. 
Yeah. Because I mean, like Christopher Nolan's Bat- Batman, if mm-hmm. they, it was already getting sour by the third movie. Yeah. Because he had supposed to been retired, and he has these weird things that fix bad knees that nobody knows yeah. about apparently that makes it to where you can kick through cement walls. Yeah. All this kind of stuff, but um. You know, the, the point being is that even those Batman movies, even, you know, the reboots and stuff like that, they're they're going to go Spider-Man movies the same way. You know, oh, we yeah. got like our third iteration of Spider-Man yeah. because, you know, this, they screw up this, that, whatever, you know, and the first Spider-Man was awesome. Yeah. And the second Spider-Man was even better. Yeah. The third Spider-Man, they tried to push it too much yep. and everything. And then it had its end. Anyways, we can get they into They put too it, much man. into that third one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's from a guy like I, I agree with you. And that's this is from a guy that loves amazing spider-man 2 and people have issues with all that's in there Mm -hmm. all that to say that today we're going to kick off this month uh by talking about et the extraterrestrial uh terrestrial it could have been starman though it could have been or mac and me yeah um so this movie came out in 1982 it was obviously directed by steven spielberg uh it was written by melissa matheson uh, it stars uh, Henry Thomas as Elliot, Drew Barrymore as Gertie. It stars uh, Peter Coyote as Keys or uh, Dangling Keys is what I kind of yeah. wrote down. Uh, Dangling. Yeah, he was never given a name, but he's like the main government agent. Uh, D. Wallace, uh, horror movie icon D. Wallace as Mary. Uh, it are also uh, stars, stars Robert, I'm going to try to say this, Mc, McNaughton as Michael, the brother. Yeah. McNaughty. Uh, it has McNaughty. Uh, K- <laughs> Nick Nolte. Yeah. Uh, it also stars uh, Casey Martell, Sean Fry, C. Thomas Howe, Ponyboy himself, uh, as Tyler, one of the friends. And this is what I was going to bring up, Erica Leniak. Yeah. Now, when we were burgeoning teenagers and stuff like that, uh, Erica Leniak was, uh, she was basically, she had a supermodel career, didn't she? Or was yeah. she an actor? I think she was acted in a couple things, but she mainly just kind of. She was on Baywatch. Oh, that's right. She was on Baywatch. And yeah. she did she did modeling and all that kind of stuff. She was also in like Under Siege yeah. uh, with, uh, with uh, Seagal. Yeah. Steven yeah. Seagal. So, uh, but no, but then we saw Erica Leniak in Baywatch doing supermodeling and stuff. And after that is when I would go back to Baywatch and be like, oh, she played the girl. And they, so then you made that connection afterwards. Yeah. And it's always just like every single time I watch this, I always forget. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there she is. Yeah. I, I want to say I, I know I watched this film like back in the 80s. I mean, it was like probably 85, 86 or something like that. But I know I watched this movie when I was really young, you know. Yeah. I just remember thinking, and this is going to sound weird, but like one of the most romantic kiss scenes that i've seen in a movie with just the music alone comes from yeah it comes from these two 11 year olds and stuff yeah that music that plays too anyways um this movie was interesting because steven spielberg you know obviously he invented the 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 summer blockbuster with jaws in 1975 uh two years later 1977 he uh came out with close encounters of the third kind which i do want to talk about because that is one of those movies that I should have seen as a self-professed movie buff, mm-hmm. but I have yet to see. Really? Yeah. And Richard Dreyfus is actually yes. one of my favorite actors. Yeah. So, I mean, it's even more of a reason for me to see right. that. Right. You know? Um, but uh, the uh, company, I believe it was Columbia, who released Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. Um, they came out and they were like, hey, we want to make a sequel. And um, 
he didn't really want to make a sequel. He had them just re-release it with some, you know, some deleted scenes or whatever. Um, but he started writing a movie, and it was called like A Boy's Life or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was basically about how he grew up because his parents got divorced when he was fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, he was growing up in you know suburban Arizona. Yeah, he uh, was like the only Jewish kid in the neighborhood. You know, so he felt really secluded. Didn't know what to do. You know, his parents had separated. All that kind of stuff. So he wrote a story about that, but then shelved it. Yeah. Um, and then not too long after, um, they wanted a more, uh, the the studios, I think it was Columbia, they wanted a more like serious alien movie. So yeah. they wrote this alien movie uh, and what was it called? Starman. No, there, there was something else that... Because Paramount ended up picking this up, right? Paramount did, but it, what 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 had happened is he he wrote this and basically it was kind of like a horror. Oh wait, movie. he wrote okay, okay. Yeah, it was basically like a horror movie, like like these these this family was terrorized by these aliens that had come. So, um, but once he realized that um, he wanted it to be a more personal story and kind of include that boy's life that he was doing, he had uh, the the screenwriter uh, Melissa Matheson. Uh, who actually eventually uh, married Harrison, Harrison Ford? Ford yeah. um, she she wrote out ET, but he t- basically told her this is how I want it to go. This is how this is the story beat and everything. But she wrote it out, and he said it's the first script that he's ever read that it was immediately ready to go. It didn't have any other drafts. That's the sh- the script that they shot on. Yeah. And usually it goes through weeks and sometimes months or years even of of rewrites. Mm-hmm. But this was ready to go right away. And so what they did was like they wanted they, they made it a little more 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 kid friendly. They had the horror part of it um, about a, one family being terrorized by aliens in this this house that they were in. Yeah. They kind of took that element and made Poltergeist out yeah. of it. That's it, how Poltergeist it, came. About. It's the yin to the yang, on right? Because Steven Spielberg he didn't write or direct Poltergeist, but he produced it, and he was kind of one of the main driving forces behind the story yeah. and all that. So he had taken that from that original alien script and turned it into a ghost turned this one into et and uh columbia goes ah we don't really want it but you you can take it Mm -hmm. because he owed them but they're like you could take it and go try to sell it to another studio universal pretty much picked it up immediately um thinking oh yeah because columbia didn't want to do it because they just have a children audience you know and they wanted a bigger audience but if anybody knows anything about children's movies they make a lot of money, you yeah. know. Kids get your parents to take you to see this. Movie. Hence, why Disney is uh, one of the largest uh, businesses in the entire world. Exactly, because if the kids want to go see the movie, the parents have to go with them. Yeah. So you know, it's like it's, it's mm-hmm. but the parents can go to movies without their kids. Um, I posted something on our uh, on our Twitter and Instagram mm-hmm. and all that um, about uh, Henry Thomas's audition. Um, yeah. That kid did an amazing job in his audition Mm -hmm. uh well in that part what had happened before that because uh steven spielberg was having problems trying to find his his um elliot Mm -hmm. and uh somebody had mentioned henry thomas so he went didn't really do a good reading and then they uh, steven spielberg turned the camera on he's like we're just gonna do some improv and so the kid's like all right so he's like all right here's the setup you know you have um some kind of an animal that is in your house and the government these guys are from the government they want to come and take it away from you and you have to convey to them that you you know that you want to keep you want to protect him 
and all that. So he did the whole scene. He starts crying. It was a really emotional, good performance, just in an audition. And like pretty much as soon as they they were done with that particular run, right afterwards, Steven Spielberg goes, "Okay, kid, you got the job." Well, you know, you know why, you know where it came from, right? What the way we're what his mo- his emotion on on his oh, audition. His dog died. His dog it? died, and he used it. He used that. In fact, it made Steven Spielberg cry as well. Mm. And uh, especially because he had a dog the in the movie. Yeah, getting the part. Steven Spielberg has a dog, and all mm. this. Yeah, Drew Barrymore. Dog, you have a dog. We all have dogs. dog, dog, dog. Uh, Drew Barrymore, on the other hand, yeah, uh, she auditioned for Carol Ann, Carol Ann from the Poltergeist, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he felt that she just wasn't right for that part. Yeah, but she was good in st- Firestarter. Yeah, and she, but he, you know, he thought she did a really good. Now she was only six at this point. Yeah. She was going to go do Poltergeist, but he's like, I got this other part for you. Mm-hmm. And it's in a movie that I'm directing and stuff. So he, she goes into audition and everything, and she starts making up this story. She's like, I'm in a punk rock band. It's called the Purple People Eaters. Uh, you know, we're touring around. And I like, like, and she's completely serious that she's telling people this story. Like, they said she was convincing. She was a good liar. Yeah. You know, she made this stuff up. And uh, But she said even from this young age, six years old, <laughs> She knew exactly what she was doing. You know, she knew how to twist people up and, yeah. and, and you know, impress them and everything. And she did an amazing job in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, and then, of course, we got, uh, you know, uh, Peter Coyote, uh, Robert McNaughton as Michael, which I always liked his character a lot. And I think Steven Spielberg said that that's more closer to supposed to be represent steven spielberg yeah because as i said before this this script kind of got turned in from that original one that he wrote about his childhood mm-hmm. and so you know the parents in this movie just got divorced just yeah. like what happened with his parents when he was younger he, uh, they got divorced when mm-hmm. he was younger and so that's really what this movie is about it's not really about et it's about this kid trying to figure out how to not be alone in this world how or how to not feel alone mm-hmm. uh and how to get over this this um you know this issue that he's having with his parents getting the divorce and everything mm-hmm. uh i mean do you agree do you, do you think it's no i agree else, because or? i mean he he did kind of um like he would throw it in his mother's face more so than you know the sister or even the uh the, uh, the i'm talking about elliot you know with with having to deal with his parents you know breaking up and everything mm-hmm. but he he threw more of a fit about it like the older brother didn't really comment on it you know so much and you know the he was the, more protective of his mother the, the older brother yeah was. yeah yeah and and even the daughter was just kind of like i don't think she fully understood at her age maybe really really what's going on she didn't on. know what it meant yeah and so you know elliot was the one that was giving her a lot of headache about it yeah he know? was right at the right age yeah. gertie was too young to really deal with it the old one was old enough to know what to say and what not to yeah. say elliot was that middle child who old enough to know what it meant but not old enough to be mature about yeah. it and so he's kind of in chaos mm-hmm. yeah um so real quick uh, this this was called et and me the, the when they finally got the, like e, the script me. done it was called et and me now if anybody knows mac and me they know it's like the biggest ripoff almost in Hollywood yeah. history. You know, this movie was made exactly the same way, you know, except instead of one alien, I think it was the whole family that got yeah. left behind. The boy was in a wheelchair. Uh, the boy that befriended Mac 
and all that. And the alien's name was Mac and everything. So Mac and me off of E.T. and me. And if anybody knows Paul Rudd. I was about to say that. Stop Go it. Ahead. I was going to say Go ahead. So um, if you've seen any of Paul Rudd's um, appearances on the Conan O'Brien show. Okay. Is it Conan? It's, yeah, it's Conan. It's Conan. He literally pranks him every single time. And they know it. And, and they don't. They won't show like the actual movie he's trying to promote. Uh-huh. They cut a scene from Mac and Me where the kid is falling down in his wheelchair. He's falling down a hill. Yeah. And and every time it goes over, that's where it ends. He, he goes over the cliff. It, it ends right there. Yeah. You know. And so it's it's, it's quite hilarious. He sets up Conan clip. every single well, and time. Conan knows it. it's yeah. kind of become a running joke. And he probably I don't know if he knew it the first time, but Paul Rudd being who he is, uh, he's been doing this for over twenty years. Every time he goes, I think he the last time he went on, he did break tradition and actually do it or yeah. whatever. But. Um, the uh for 20 years every single time no matter what movie it was every single time he was with mm-hmm. conan o'brien on his show yeah it would be this movie that movie this movie that movie it would always be the exact same clip from mac, mac and me, me of that <laughs> in the wheelchair rolling down the hill i like mac and me. I, you know, I mean, we watched it a lot yeah i mean it was it was a et knockoff so i mean yeah. you know i think everybody I loved et it. but i mean mac and me i'd like to yeah um, this movie was also the most successful film in movie history when it came out. Until? And it was only dethroned by another Spielberg movie called yep. Jurassic Park. And then James Cameron did it, too. Yeah. So then he broke it with Titanic and then broke it his own record with but I believe Stupid this, Avatar. Yeah, I believe this still is up there. It's still like number two or three um, if you know you adjust for inflation. Yeah. Uh, because you well, know, it said it's number four if you adjusted for inflation. It's it came out with three hundred and something million dollars was was what it earned, and it, it would be the equivalent of over a billion dollars yeah. today. Yeah. So basically, like an Avengers movie, yeah. And like the Avengers movies mm-hmm. are the only ones, and maybe uh, James Cameron movies are the only ones making over a billion dollars yeah. on release, and that's basically what this movie was making back then. So. Yeah. I mean, that kind of gives you a little perspective of how big this was and what a colossal, stupid mistake Columbia made in, yeah. in passing on this project. And they probably still kick themselves because, I mean, there's the universe still milking this. You know, they got E.T., you know, as, uh, at the Paramount. The, don't they have, like, Universal Studios? They have E.T. stuff there. and Yeah. Um, but this played in theaters for – it's also played in theaters for a whole year. Yeah. A whole year. It, it came still out holds June, that record. And it left theaters to June the following year. And I believe it's the the one that stayed in there the longest. I don't know if any other movies stayed in there longer than E.T., but this stayed in there for a whole year. And it took six years for it to come out on VHS. Yeah. It didn't. Uh, this movie was released in 1982, and it didn't come out on VHS until 1988. And it's because Steven Spielberg guarded the, really, the, the home release so dearly because... VHS was still up in the air. Nobody know if, knew if it was going to be successful. Um, and I think he wanted it watched on the big screen and all that. But suffice to say, uh, he, there were some gritty-looking bootleg copies going out there, and he didn't want that to be mm-hmm. someone's first experience watching E.T., so he finally agreed to let it become a, uh, a VHS. Um, and this is also the uh, very first time we hear the f- the the words boba fett spoken in a movie and it's not even a star wars movie mm-hmm. empire came out in 1980 yeah um and return of the jedi came out in 1983 now uh han solo says boba fett in return of the jedi but this came out before return of the jedi and in empire 
Boba's name was never said. It was said in marketing and the the Star Wars specials yeah. that were were played. You know, then you have Boba Fett, but never in a movie huh. had it been spoken until a movie that's not even Star Wars. But that's when ET or when Elliot was explaining to ET who Boba Fett and Lando Calrissian. Well, and, and then Star Wars were. goes goes and gives ET homage in Phantom Menace, where you actually see. <clears throat> Uh, the race of ETs. Yeah, yeah. On on Phantom Menace. Yeah, the whole the Senate scene. The whole thing is weird because it's like, well, ET noticed a dressed up Yoda, right? And they're like, well, it could happen because he was from their galaxy yeah. and everything and stuff. Yeah. But obviously, their movies in our our world, and Star Wars happened in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. So yeah. I'm pretty sure but it's Yoda's never been, been dead a long that, time that, ago. You know, that's still a theory, you yeah. know, that side of it, you know, the, no, the recognizing know. Yoda. But. I, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, two best friends that are yeah. putting, you know, you know, shouting each other out and everything. Yeah, Cause you know, Indiana Jones and, uh, uh-huh. uh, not the last, you said, uh, what is it? The Temple of Doom. No, not the Temple of Doom. The Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, in yeah. uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, there is a uh, the uh, hieroglyphics when they're yeah. digging in Egypt and stuff, mm-hmm. and you can see R two D two and C three PO and the hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics. Yeah. <laughs> see, it's it's not it's not easy, is it? So, um, anyways, uh, we'll get started in this. Uh, we open up with the aliens coming to Earth. And um, it's kind of cool because it doesn't show the aliens in the ship. Yeah. But do you remember this scene being so long? I feel like when I was younger, like it flew by. Like I remember the movie yeah. starting off with Elliot going into the backyard checking for weird I'm, noises. I, I'm kind of thinking that you know my maybe when they remastered it, the version that we saw, uh, that we just saw recently, because. We might have, you know, it might have been the last time I saw it was the before the remastered version of it. And so maybe that wasn't in the original one that we watched. Yeah. What do you think they're doing here? Collecting specimens? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because... Do you think they're studying or do you think they're just planting them in their own home world so they have stuff from everywhere? Could be that because, you know, like Spielberg was asked, you know, what kind of creature uh, E.T. was. And he said it's a, a plant. plant-like creature. So... Oh, it would only go to show that maybe just to bring more different kinds of plants from all over the galaxy kind of thing. I think they're just, they're not, they're not like obviously not a warring type uh, of creature, uh-huh. you know, or race or whatever. You know, they might be just a uh, peaceful plant-like race, I guess. Yeah, I was, <laughs> when I heard that, I was like, he's a plant? Okay, so that's how plants look in his world, I guess. Yeah. And plants have figured out how to travel inter, interstellar wise you know in metal ships and stuff but. yeah I, I see i wouldn't go to um that planet because they probably sniff each other all the time yeah and it would make me think that you know it, it wouldn't be nice yeah uh, I, I, I i caught myself uh not saying something which i'm glad i didn't <laughs> say I, I i caught myself yeah, so I didn't. Well, we meet here. We meet uh, Jangly Keys. You know, uh, we got we got this jangle and jangle. Uh, I think jangle. I think in the movie he's just referred to as Keys, but you know it's the it's 
The only thing that really lets you know that we should be worried about this person is it doesn't show you his face, because so it's it's there, it's ominous, you know, you're somebody in the background. It doesn't show any of the agents' faces. Did you notice? Well, that? it doesn't show any adult faces yeah. until you get to a certain point of the movie, and that's basically mm-hmm. when you see that agent's face. That's yeah. when you both. The only exception is the mother, but yeah. if you look, the school teacher, you never saw the school teacher's face. Yeah, you know, uh, some. People may know there was a deleted scene with Harrison Ford in yeah, this movie. Yeah, supposed to be the, the he, principal or something. Yep, he played the principal, and in the shot, you couldn't see him. You could only see his hand resting on a desk mm-hmm. as it looked at Elliot. So, you know, this movie is supposed to be very uh, child-driven, you know, from yeah. a child's perspective, keep all the adults away from it. And what does it remind you of that we have nowadays? Chucky. <laughs> Why did you say Chucky? Because remember, most of that, a lot of that film was uh, filmed really low, like that too. Well, I was looking for more like Stranger Things, but yeah, that's true. Yeah. But Chucky too, right? I mean, tell me I'm wrong. I mean, I think you're wrong. No, you just told me to tell for, you you're wrong. Yeah, that's so. true. But most of that first of that movie, that Chucky movie, I mean, it's it's shot from Andy's and and Chucky's what Chucky's uh, perspective would be. Yeah. Now, why why did they wait for ET? Who? The, his people. Why didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I know well, people. They didn't want I to be know, found it out. Yeah, if, but I mean, they, you know, they're found it out. Found I should have said that. <laughs> I was about found to out, you, but then I. But I corrected it. I corrected it. I know, and I let it go. Yeah, but you know, yeah, but they're interstellar travelers. I'm sure that they can like have a way of keeping people away, and because that the dude was like, you know. 20 feet away from the ship when it took off yeah and for all we know they could have like men in black uh technology where they yeah. could erase people's minds neuralizers yeah, they start neuralizing all the the yeah. people and everything but yeah i thought that was kind of a dick move or at least you know like kind of hanging out in the atmosphere you know yeah. a little bit and then yeah, just they, wait until they people left. go away it's like it's like they should have gone up maybe monitored or Sent there, they got to have security people, I mean, right? Yeah, do, do they go, go to hostile planets sometimes? Yeah, you I'm go assuming. about 300 feet up in the air, right? And then you can see E.T. because his chest lights up, you know, extremely bright red. And he has plant parts inside with his heart. Yeah. Because they but, wanted but, him to look plant-like. Yeah, but, you know, it's kind of funny that how you could not see him from the air, you know, just touch down somewhere far away from other people or something you know yeah they should have hidden or gone up to space you know tracked him somehow and then come back for him because they can obviously like feel each other because of their hearts and stuff because they start to glow when they're around each other because et's heart didn't glow until the aliens came back so i guess that's something that happens when they're in close proximity to each other and brought to you by uh, the the post credit podcast. That was our Rachel. We moment. need to get a jingle. We need we really to get do. a little like five second uh, Rachel moment yeah. jingle. Yeah, because we use that one a lot more often than the other one. Yeah, because I did the anime one for you for yeah. our trivia battles. Yeah, and we have the other one. We need we need to get some kind of a bumper. Or I know because we you, we use it quite often actually. We really. It's do. so and funny it's because like, we get annoyed when she asks us those questions, and then we end up getting on our show, our own show, and asking those questions. Yeah, maybe I can get like a booming voice, uh, yeah. going voice, and go. The post credit podcast. Yeah. Cast, cast. Yeah. Presents, presents. The Rachel moment. So uh, then we get to a scene that's directed in a way that I love it. Uh, now I know a I lot of love it. I know a lot of people don't like this, and I think mom was the one that mentioned that she didn't like it but um when when people are like talking over each other 
and everybody's having their own conversation. It seems kind of chaotic. It's same thing happened in Alien, the first Alien movie, when they're all woken up and they're eating together. They're all having their separate conversations. It's all on top of each other. And you can't really understand what's going on. It's not like a Hollywood setup movie. It feels like a real conversation because they're all talking and that's how people talk. You know, everybody's having separate conversations. I like that kind of thing. And then I, you have something that, that focuses everybody in on one thing. But I like that because it feels real. It feels like you're coming into a real situation instead of you're coming into a stage situation that's supposed to look real. It's nothing like that, penis breath. Hell yeah. So, but I like it. And were these kids smoking with the mom in the house? I know there was a cigarette there that was, that was you know, had smoke going everywhere. I think that one little kid, that one really annoying one that was like as big as Elliot. But how but was the mom letting older. these kids smoke? I know that you used to smoke in the houses back in the day and people didn't take cigarettes as seriously, but... Yeah. Uh, like I don't know if it was I didn't think it was the mom because it was at the table where they were playing Dungeons and Dragons it, it could have been it could have been it's probably the mom I'd have to say that I don't know though because she wasn't playing yeah well it's weird Anyways, she's kind of all over the place though yeah Elliot wants to play but he he's you know he's in a mood and you know he's He's upset because his dad's gone, and they won't let him play, and all this kind of stuff. But anyways, the the brothers and stuff say, hey, if you go get the pizza, we'll let you play. Yeah. So he goes to get the pizza, hears a noise, goes in the backyard, chucks a ball into the uh, um, into the shed, and it comes back to bounces back to him. Yeah. This is our first indication that we're gonna have some dad issues mm-hmm. because you know what's what's more father son than playing catch true and throwing a ball back and forth yeah so we already see what he's missing in his life just by that small little act that spielberg never really addresses but shows you mm-hmm. you know um and uh you know he gets scared and he you know he goes and tells them and nobody believes him until he says nobody go outside because yeah. you know you tell a teenage kid that and the first thing they're going to do is yeah. I need to go outside and see what's that mm-hmm. if like you know your daughter and uh her cousin are downstairs mm-hmm. if we yeah. told them there's something outside don't go out there what's the first thing that they'd do no well keely would they'd probably look out the windows at least yeah my daughter would definitely force her cousin to go out first Okay. And then she'd go out. So if it was us, but if another kid came running in and said, there's something out there, don't go out there, all the kids are going to go running. And so I love that scene played by Steven Spielberg because it's so it's so honest because, yeah, that's exactly what would happen. If some little, if we had a, a, a table of four teenage boys, a younger boy came in and was like, you know, all this stuff, and they're kind of making fun of him. Like, seriously, guys, do not go outside. Yeah, of course, the first thing yeah. they're going to do is, all right, let's... And one of them even grabs a knife. Yeah. And, and they take two out outside. Do. That's right. Yeah, both but of them. Then they saw the pizza. But, they, I mean, the footprints were there, but they still didn't believe them. Yeah. And, and you know, what's funny is that, you know, like this... Getting to play Dungeons & Dragons um, was, like, the precursor to before we had, like, Nintendos. I mean, we had Atari and stuff like that, but... You know, it wasn't as more populated, you know, in the market than Nintendo. Right. You know? and, and so, you know, this is what they did before they had Nintendo. You yeah. know what I mean? So. Yeah. And I think it's kind of crazy because, you know, nowadays, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is actually getting a lot more popular with a lot of different type of people. And you I know? think Stranger Things did that. Now, yeah. Stranger Things and Big Bang Theory, both of those, because Big Bang Theory, everybody watched that, nerd, whatever, you know. Everybody watched that. Yeah. And Dungeons and Dragons was huge on that. 
Um, Stranger Things. That was a huge part of Stranger Things. Playing, I mean, they even made up names for the monsters that yeah. they called the monsters of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and and to look at the comparisons, you you know, the movie starts out with these teenage kids mm-hmm. playing Dungeons and Dragons and everything, right? Stranger Things start with these four kids playing Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, so you think E.T. copied uh, Stranger Things? <laughs> no, I think Stranger Things copied E.T. Yeah. As we know, I mean, among other, it's just like a whole thing, like, you know, probably a little bit of Ghostbusters feel in there, a little yeah. bit of E.T. But, I mean, E.T. Is, a, is the biggest part of Stranger Things inspirations, and it's apparent in the Dungeons and Dragons, the kids. It's apparent in um, the way... Even one of the kids, the one that gives um, Elliot a lot of crap, he wears, when you see him riding their bikes, he's got the vest that Dustin has. Mm-hmm. He's got the hat that Dustin has, the trucker hat mm-hmm. with the net in the back. And he's got the huge headphones on like Dustin does. Yeah. Like Dustin was an exact copy of that kid, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. They get on bikes. They're the, the, the Basically, E.T. is like 11 and yeah. Elliot is like Mike. Right, yeah. and he's taking care of this person and all that. I mean, she even gets on the bike with them and uses her powers to lift up, you know, vans mm-hmm. to throw over. Whereas ET uses his powers to lift, lift them, them up, up. Yeah. you know. So, and they're riding bikes around, which is what they did in Stranger Things. And so, I mean, like you can't get more, you can't get closer to Stranger Things as as far as an influence goes than ET. Yeah. I don't think. Well, so I mean, so what we're saying here is that. Eleven could have caused less damage if she would have lifted everybody up rather than lifting up vans and throwing them. Right, but she okay. was pissed at them and probably wanted yeah. to take out a little anger out of them anyway. So that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but he, uh, Elliot, goes and and of course we're introduced to Drew Barrymore as little Gertie, and she is absolutely adorable in yeah. this movie. Yeah, she even has like she even has little lines like where she says something, then she kind of says it like this and repeats it back to herself. Yeah. You know, like to where nobody can hear it, but you yeah. catch it. And it's it's hilarious. She you you could tell that she was she ad libs a lot of stuff too. Yeah, you know, in this movie, and not a lot of stuff, but a couple things. You know, yeah. She, I mean, this movie is just representative at six years old of how she was meant for this job. Yeah, and she still has the exact same lisp now. Yeah, that she had back then. Yeah, yeah. it's adorable. But um, she was she was a good part of this, and she had some emotional weight. You know, he's she's the first one to hear, hear him talk. Yeah, you know, she was the first one to hear E.T. talk and taught him she the taught phrase him, "be good." Yeah, yeah, you know, which comes back obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he eventually knows that there's some kind of a goblin out there, a little poop goblin running around. He does look like a little poop goblin, <laughs> little brown and purple. You know, he's like supposed goblin. to be like 17 million years old. I'm, I kid you not. That's weird. They asked Steven Spielberg well, I mean, about it. When, if you have plants, because you have some trees that are that big. Because they, he kind of looked like a little like stump, where he could have his, yeah. his, his so he's probably like started out like a mushroom, like yeah. a little stump and everything, and the head grows out like because he wanted the telescope and neck, which freaked me out when I was a kid a little bit. Yeah, whenever he would go, I, I kind of feel like they did. <laughs> you know, you know what he kind of reminds me of. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the show uh, uh, American Dad. <laughs> Yeah, uh, what's his name again? Uh, Roger. Roger. I was going to call him yes. Greg for some reason. He's literally shaped like ET. That's right. To a point, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and they, he lives up in the attic, and yes. the the government father found him. Yes, and they and they, he dre- ET dresses up as a woman. Yeah, 
and Roger, and Roger does it all the time. Yeah. Dresses up as women. Well, so. Drew Barrymore or Gertie dressed E.T. up. And Henry's favorite part of that is whenever E.T. turns around and so all you see is the wig and E.T. Yeah. in the back with the clothes. And you can't see it's an alien. You just see a wig and this short squat thing just kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. what do you call it? Like uh, uh, waddling away and everything. <laughs> waddling. It's pretty funny, but... <clears throat> Anyways, uh, so he eventually goes out finding him. Uh, it goes out to where the Jangly Keys guy is looking for him. Jangly. Um, but he's laying down little Reese's pieces in a trail back to the house to try to get and lure him back because if there's one thing kids know that everybody should like, it's candy. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be M&M's. You know? I bought a thing of Reese's pieces for us to have on the table. It's downstairs. Yeah. I mean, it's in the office. Yeah, those kids. <laughs> those kids. No, so, uh, but did, did you eat Reese's Pieces when you watched this movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. I always love it. But it's supposed to be, like, if you look at the 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 storyboard and the storybook of it, it's supposed to be M&M's. Yeah. But because Mars didn't thought that kids would be scared by E.T., uh-huh. And then they didn't realize that they had like a record-setting year for Reese's Pieces uh, after this. Oh, yeah. Time. It was their most popular thing. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, another huge company kicking themselves yep. over E.T. Mm-hmm. So nobody had, nobody had faith, even though in the time since, he had done things like 1941 and mm-hmm. Jaws and Close yeah. Encounter. You should have a little bit more faith in Steven Spielberg, I yeah, think. But. Absolutely. Anyways, uh, but when he sees that government guy, he runs away. He runs back to the house. <laughs> yeah. And E.T. sees him run away. Mm-hmm. And I think that that that's the first thing that shows trust to ET is here's another smaller being than that scary looking one that was chasing mm-hmm. me earlier, and he's running away from the scary looking one. I should follow that. And there's Reese's pieces everywhere, so yeah. he's probably eating them. But he brought back a few. Yeah, <laughs> he's like he's like I brought back a few. I need more of these, please. Thank you. And then we I mean we find out that the guy you know jangling keys is actually not a bad person no he's <laughs> at all he's but, elliot grown he's a up. kid yeah he's a, he's a kid at heart you know i mean he he kind of really you know that he said you know because he hadn't he's dreamt about this since he was 10 years old right you he know called I mean? it a miracle yeah and and this is what he, you know not so much to capture an alien not so much to oh let's study him all this other stuff you know i mean he was trying to save his life one of those rare government people that aren't trying to do all that no he just he's he's completely satisfied satisfied at this point. He no just wants it. to make an encounter. Yeah, yes, and making an encounter with ET, you know, that satisfied satisfied everything that he was looking since for since he was ten years since old. Since he was ten, but he I did think it was a little selfish when he was like, uh, you know, Elliot said he came to me, and the jangly keys goes, he came to me too. I've been wanting this for blah blah blah. It's like no, he didn't. You've been yeah. chasing after him. He naturally came to Elliot. So no, but I think he meant, into that. meant it yeah. more like metaphorically. You know, saying yeah. like he came to me, meaning that his his wish, ultimate wish, is to meet somebody. Yeah, that's a good or, or a creature that. like that. I th- I think it was that that was his way of saying he came to me too yeah. because you know that's what he dreamed of. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, he uh, he definitely. I could see him being like, and, and you know, one of my questions here I had was before we get too much into it, I guess. What do you think Elliot will grow up to be? Do you think he'll grow up to be an alien hunter or an animal activist? Because it's probably going to be one of those two. A, a, an animal activist is more um, a more stand up type of thing. You know, it's more respected probably. Whereas an alien hunter, you're thought of as a, a, a cuckoo wacko. Whack job, kind of like Blink 182's Tom DeLonge. Yeah. Like, a lot of people think he's crazy, but, you know, he's like, look, I have stuff that you guys don't even know. 
that I've seen and everything. So, you know, but, you know, generally people think like alien hunters and stuff. Oh, they're just kooks and stuff. So do you think he's going to go that kooky route because of his experience with E.T., always looking for E.T., trying to contact him? Or do you think he'll go more animal activist? No, I think, I mean, if, if, it, if those were my two options, then I would say that animal activist. The reason being is that he wouldn't really necessarily need to hunt aliens because he already knows they exist what? without having to go hunt them, you know? Yeah, and, I guess that's uh, that's my fault. I, I guess I mean more trying to, like, contact E.T. Well, I mean, I could see him working at NASA or something like that, you know you what I mean? You think he'd do it through mainline channels yeah. as yeah. far as having career yeah. technology, or do you think he would be kind of like Woody Harrelson in a RV in the backwoods no. of... 2012 conspiracy theory yeah. and everything no I, I i think he'd really go the straight way in the sense that you know because pretty sure that government's not going to let him really uh release any kind of information about that you yeah know what i mean I, i'm pretty sure they're going to keep it keep him his lips sealed on that one because he can't use that as oh i know there's aliens you know this and this and that yeah. you know he's he's i can see him working for the government because he knows secrets you know yeah. and i'm sure they do too this is the movie not ferris bueller that i got tips on how to fake being sick off of with the thermometer and the yeah. light bulb and the heat pad and everything i tried those out when i was younger and they were successful yeah and i did get to uh stay at home sick fake once or twice i never actually did that a lot i think i've only done that once or twice and it worked or whatever but um i didn't mind going to school and everything so i never yeah you know, but i didn't have an alien to take care of so i never had um, this is true i never had elliot's problem but um so he brings him into his room and he starts showing him like toys this is a toy this is a car and then he tries to eat the car and all that and I feel like, you know, they they get psychically linked in this movie, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they actually state that, you know. Or it's like, uh, it's maybe not psychically, but more uh, like, Ma what is Mantis's power from the Avengers? Where it's emotion. Uh, yeah. Empathize. Like, it's empathy. Mm -hmm. uh, so, they, they, and they even say in the, the movie, he knows what E.T. thinks. And the brother goes, no, he knows what E.T. feels. Mm -hmm. And so, I feel like whenever he's, E.T.'s, or... Uh, Elliot's trying to explain E.T. what's this what's that I feel like E.T. linked with him because Elliot was exposing these things to him and they couldn't understand so yeah. he created that link to him psychically so he could understand Elliot better you know possibly what I, mean? I mean they they haven't really and that's the thing they they don't ever quite um clarify that yeah you they know don't get mean? into it they no. don't try to explain it or anything I gotta uh, I gotta guess that you know they're psychically linked which you know puts them in jeopardy later i think that's because you know it's a maybe it's a plant thing yeah maybe it's a plant thing from their uh from their uh their home world that's how they that's how they live is they link up with you know friends psychically or whatever so they talked uh through cans linked with <laughs> with, with string with string <laughs> probably um but i think that's why he does it and you know it, it causes some problems later but i think that in doing that et finds that you know you know et's he's fearful from being left behind yeah and and you Which, know that's why he's I mean, so scared who and, wouldn't you know <laughs> exactly and that's just like he i think he feels the same in elliot because elliot was left behind by his father yeah. yeah his father went to mexico with some girl and that's one of the things we were talking about is that he brings that up you know not thinking about it mm -hmm. oh he's in mexico with sally 
And then his brother gets pissed and he's like, don't say stuff like that. What's wrong with mm-hmm. you? You got you to worry about what people are going to think. So the brother's old enough to know that, hey, there's some sensitive things. Let's look out for mom. And and the mom is then after that comment, basically the whole movie, she's kind of obsessed with that comment. Mm-hmm. And she keeps the like Mexico. Scene after scene, Mexico. She keeps talking about it and everything. So, yeah. you know, she's going through some stuff. Yeah. She's um, going through some things. She's going through some things. But, you know, she, so he's fearful and he feels Elliot. So that's like a little connection uh, yeah. between that. Um, you know, but by the end, Elliot found that the rest of the family kind of rallied behind him and E.T. Uh, well, you know, and, and his older brother and sister had had a kind of a connection. I mean, not, not like as deep with, with Elliot, but, you know, even the brother and sister had a, kind of a connection where they could... The younger talk, brother and the sister or the older brother? The older the brother and the sister. Okay. You know, they, they, they kind of had a connection with where her, you know, being able to teach E.T. how to speak with certain words and understand what they mean in a way. And then, you know, with him, he... he uh, he kind of had a connection with E.T. because, you know, like they they could say things to each other without actually saying words, you know, like near the end of of the movie. Well, and I want to get into how E.T. talks because he uses the same phrase, but he conveys different meanings with those same phrases. Um, but, yeah, I think I think that the boys are I think it just shows a shattered family. You know, the boys, they probably had a better relationship when the dad was there. They don't hang out anymore probably because the dad is there it seems like elliot feels like he's being left out from his older brother Mm -hmm. um maybe they used to mess with gertie and that's what they start doing again when they threaten her if she tells anybody we're gonna rip your doll's head off and stuff like that i'm keeping him what is it he won't hurt you gertie he won't hurt you gertie i'm not gonna hurt you Boy or a girl? He's a boy. Was he wearing any clothes? No. But look, you can't tell. Not even mom. Why not? Because um, grown-ups can't see him. Only little kids can see him. Give me a break. Liz, do you know what's going to happen? If you do that. Do it, Mike. We have to. Oh, no! 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 So, you know, I, I think that's why he, he sees that, you know, uh, he sees that Elliot is a certain way. He feels like he's left behind. I think that's why he bonds with Elliot so, yeah. so well and everything. So um, eventually uh, Elliot has to go to school and he has to leave E.T. behind. But because they're psychically linked, he's kind of experiencing some of the same things that Elliot or that E.T.'s feeling at home. E.T. raised the fridge. He, he grabs some beer. He grabs some food. <laughs> And E.T. gets drunk. Elliot gets drunk. That was school. He, Elliot, uh, the the actor that played Elliot was uh-huh. just uh, that. That was a phenomenal scene for for a kid that age. Where you know what like, I mean? Free them all and all that kind of stuff. Where he's and he trying just to gives, all the... gives that girl just a look, you know, and yeah. it, she's just like, 
you know yeah <laughs> kind of bothered by it you know but not really but then kind of really but i mean he just the gives a little, standing yeah like all the, the, the frogs are moving around yeah and everything there's a weird drunk look and he just you know yeah hey. well yeah yeah that's right because he like turns around and he's just and he starts collapsing in his seat and everything but she's kind of like weirded <laughs> out by it but i think he goes in and out because he look he looks like he's drunk but then the frogs come out and he looks normal yeah and he's like but he's still linked to mm-hmm. et i think he uh you know, he was worried about him being captured. And that's what he saw with the frogs. You know, they were putting cotton balls, and he feared that the government might do that. And that's what he told the guy later, you know, don't take him away from me because, you know, you're putting cotton balls with chloroform in there or, or whatever it was that was on that that mm-hmm. would slowly kill the frogs, you know, make him go to sleep or whatever. And so he, you know, he got that feeling for E.T. and started letting all the frogs go. And, you know, uh, and then as he's kind of walking through all the frogs, he's got the drunk look again and everything. And then it comes apart uh, during a, a movie that E.T. is watching and it's some John Wayne movie. I forgot what the movie was called, but it's John Wayne. And at the same moment where this girl is going to leave in the movie, the girl that he has a crush on goes to leave the classroom with all the frogs in it and he grabs her by the arm just like john wayne grabs her yeah and they both kind of spin her towards him and then john wayne lays one on the girl uh, in the movie what does he lay on her uh, a kiss oh okay. and then uh in the et uh, another kid has to come in so elliot could be tall enough because he's so much <laughs> shorter than eric yeah but he stands on this kid's back and you know he, he plants one on erica leniac Anyways, that's how I saw it. I think that that's why they had the conne- uh, connection. Uh, the Quiet Man is the John Wayne movie that uh, that is being shown that E.T. is watching. Okay. Um, so, anyways, um, but he gets home. Gertie's dressed up E.T. Uh, the mom is completely oblivious. E.T. is completely. walking all around her. and She, she even tries to tell her She's mom. like, it's the moon man. It's yeah. the moon man. It's the man from the moon. Even though she got threatened not to say anything, she's still, you know, being being a, what, how old was she? Like four, five? Six. Six? Is too so, age. so she was six at the time, and, you know, she was literally trying to show her. I mean, she walked by E.T. several times. I have a feeling it's like she's still dealing with that comment oh, about absolutely. the dad in Mexico. Yeah. Like, so, like, it just, with Sally. it's so bad. It just, like, threw her off yeah. for a good while. For the entire movie. Yeah, so until she realized that her son was sick and there was an alien in her house. Yeah. That's when she kind of flipped out a little bit. But Even though she should have known that yeah. you know, an hour ago in the movie exactly so uh on halloween he has this whole plan of how to get elliot or how to get et out to the clearing where they can set up the machine and he can call his people so they go out and that's when they see yoda and uh the mother doesn't know that it's et under the sheet and everything um but anyways uh elliot takes him out and you got one of the most iconic So where is the sister at this time you know, that's the thing, because she dressed up <laughs> as a cowgirl, right? And then yeah. she's like, look, I dressed up again. And they're like, you know you're going to be a uh, ghost, right, for this plan to work. And she's like, I know, but 
Um, they brought her down. I don't know what the hell happened to her. Honestly, she was probably waiting outside for him. No, they locked her in her room, <laughs> put a bucket next to the door. She probably went out like and the gave her a package of crackers yeah. and then or said, no, "Live with Reese's pieces." Yeah, probably. Reese's pieces. Yeah. But anyways, but I mean, seriously, did you not? Catch, I, I mean, kind of because I'm a parent, I catch things like that. I did, but then I forgot about it because at first I was like, "Okay, so what is Gertie's part during this plan?" And then I just I got caught up in the movie and I didn't think about yeah. her like probably everybody else did. But yeah. she was probably outside, and then once they got E.T. outside, um, then Elliot took him, and then Michael took her. But they started walking down the street. I know. This is what I'm saying. It's like question. She probably did stay at home then. I don't know what to think about that. I, I just, I mean, you leave the, That's a good the parent. Well, no, remember, she was the mom was there the entire time because she was supposed to have a date that showed up, right? Yeah, and she didn't and, show And he up. never showed up. And, and she so put out a candle Technically, she was kind of supervised. I mean, her mom was in the know. house. It's so weird. That, that, that may have just been one of those that's things. That's funny. You, you didn't like, catch no. that. Uh, well, you caught it at first, but you didn't yeah, think about it. Right? I, and I, did, I was like thinking about it, but then, yeah, I just didn't think about it until now. <laughs> I'm just like, wait, what? I was like, what the crap? <laughs> Let's go ahead and leave a six-year-old just chilling at the house by himself, you know, on, on the most uh, like populated evening of the year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, anyway, so they go out, my, uh, E.T. and Elliot, they go out to the, the clearing, and um, they're riding the bike, and I think uh, Elliot stops because he's either lost or something. I can't remember yeah. what it was, but then suddenly his bike shoots forward. It goes into, like, the fog. Yeah. And E.T. is doing it. Yeah. You know, he's, he's moving it with his mind, and then you just see him drop off this cliff and then come back up. Yeah. And one of the I think, well, you could say one of but but I think in my opinion the most iconic shot from a movie of all time is riding in front of that moon. Mm. And maybe I just see that because you see the Amblin Entertainment yeah. uh, logo so much, mm-hmm. which he had. You've seen the him riding on it. You've seen it spoofed so many times, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think it's the most iconic shot, though, him riding with E.T. in the basket in front of the moon. I don't know. you got Casablanca. I mean, you've got, you know, Movies like Pulp yeah, but fiction. It, you have iconic scenes. I'm saying this is an, the most iconic shot. Just like if you were to take one frame from a movie or from any movie, the him riding in front. And obviously, there are plenty out there to yeah. look from. But in my opinion, I think there's like yeah, the most yeah. iconic shot ever. Yeah, you know, either this or you know the. Uh, uh, well, I mean, I was going to say the Star Wars crawl, but I mean, even that's just more of a scene. Well, the Jurassic, Jurassic Park, um, you know, like with T-Rex. the T-Rex falling in the back of the truck and they're looking at the the rear view. Well, uh, him just side mirror. roaring. Yeah, that's yeah, That's an iconic shot yeah. and everything. So, yeah, but I, you know, I just feel like I just, maybe it's just because of so much saturation in the pop culture of this scene, whether yeah. it's spoofing or in the logos or talked about or whatever, but... So anyway, that's where he first gets the indication that, you know, yeah. this plant is crazy. <laughs> this plant named E.T. is crazy. Yeah. This plant can not only conduct interstellar travel, but it can, it has powers, you know, it yeah. can move stuff with his mind and stuff. So uh, anyway, so they go there, they call home and, you know, I think uh, he makes the last ditch effort to convince E.T. to stay there. He's like, you know, you can stay here with me. We can grow up together. It reminded me of the scene from um, where... Bella meets um, um, uh, Edward, and they're in the field, and they're talking, 
And so once I saw this ET scene, I was just like, that's just like from Twilight. Are you shitting me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was gonna. Say, I hope that you're just messing with me because that is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm absolutely messing. But anyways, yeah. So there, the he ET has created this uh, crazy with the speaking spell and 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 a uh, saw, blade. saw blade and some forks and. I don't know how that works. I, I don't. Apparently, it's supposed to work in some sort of. Apparently, way. we have the capability, or we have the capability in the '80s household items yeah. to. Uh, they had contact, a pencil sharpener. Contact life outside yeah. of space. Yeah, that's kind of strange. Yeah, shouldn't yeah. happen that way. But, but and, and not only that, it's controlled by the wind. It's wind powered. Is it wind powered? Because I know they have the an umbrella and everything. Well, like they tie, remember they tied the the forks or the whatever that was going over the I, blades. To the to the uh, branch. Every time I the see wind, that contraption, I'm like, I feel like they just put a bunch of stuff together, so I don't try to figure it out or anything. I mean, <laughs> look look who, look where we're coming from. You know, we've yeah, got we the, the Holy Grail being a uh, wooden cup and all the other beautiful, uh, bright, shiny cups. And why wouldn't it be the yeah. the one that doesn't look like any of the other ones? As Indy would say, that looks like the cup of a carpenter. Stupid Nazis. Stupid Nazis. Um, but then he wakes up and E.T.'s gone. Where the hell did he go? I don't know. Why didn't he stay close to Ellie? I know he's sick, but I don't know where he went. He, he went for a little night swim in the moonlight. Something. Maybe Maybe he... Because I think they expected an a, a answer back, like immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But cause, because he even said, you know, maybe they just, maybe they can't receive it. Maybe you can't go back. Maybe you can just stay here or something. Yeah, his, his belly didn't light up. Maybe, maybe, maybe E.T. went off to hang out or hook up with the raccoon because you know there's just a random raccoon right near et did you notice that i did see that did that kind of well, like and the, that was kind the of little kid off, had to I shoo guess. it away yeah no i think what they were showing was that he you was know raccoon you know yeah. they, they're scavengers and all that the trash so, pandas yeah same thing with like vultures they'll just sit there and circle you until you're dead or pretty close to it and start or, eating or he maybe he was just giving CPR right before maybe, Elliot maybe, or uh, Elliot's brother maybe they showed spoke up. The same language or yeah. something because they were yeah. both like, yeah, "This is true." Um, but so, anyways, he goes home without ET. Uh, his parent, his mom, and and uh, his, his brother and his sister. You know, they've been waiting for him all night. They caught the cops there. They're trying to figure out where he is. He secretly tells Michael, "Look, this is where he is. Go find him. Please go find him. He's yeah. out there somewhere." But Elliot's very sick, and yeah. he's got a he's got a fever and all that. So they get him laid down, and then Michael goes out and he he gets uh, ET and he brings him back to the uh, the bathroom. He's actually a really good big brother, I think. He is like he was he was a, a jackwad at the beginning, but I think he was just messing with. Him. That's how yeah, he, he was just be. messing with him. Yeah, yeah, and like even if his but I mean when his friends start messing with me, he tells his friends to shut up yeah, and stop exactly. talking about his brother. Well, especially when he figures out that his brother wasn't BSing him about yeah, the lying troll. about the goblin. The yeah, poop the goblin. <laughs> I'm still going to call him a poop goblin. Where, where is that from? Because I know that's from somewhere. It's from the poop emoji. I think it, it might have been a Seth the emoji Mc, movie. It might have been a Seth MacFarlane thing, but it probably is. Um, so he goes and finds the the uh, finds ET, brings him back. The mother then sees ET and Elliot. Now, why do you think that they're both sick? Because I don't think it explained why they got sick. <sighs> Maybe a. Some bad chili the night before. Bad chili. <laughs> I actually, I, I, I was Texas thinking about chili. that too because, like, it would have made sense. And we know this didn't happen. And again, it is spoiler, but ET doesn't actually die. Like you think he dies. Yeah. If it would have made more sense in the theory, theory that they were trying to basically make 
you know, their psyche and everything is linked together, you know, I mean, cause he was showing, Ellie was showing, you know, the hot, you know, hot sweats and, and, you know, the actual signs of a flu or a cold or something just like ET was, but you know, ET was like, okay, you know, I'm going to take away all this from Elliot so he doesn't actually die, you know? And so he's going to take it all on him and then he ends up dying. But for some reason he woke back up. Right. So like, maybe it's like they go into, um, some sort of sleep or something you know their their race goes to sleep for you know i mean you got to think about it he probably hasn't slept uh-huh. the entire he's well no he, remember that's the first thing that him and elliot did when they got up to his room they were both like yeah mm, when they linked yeah they yeah slept and i didn't had see the best him sleep of their life after that right right and i didn't see him you know et eat any uh you know soil or Here's, uh manure or anything <laughs> else like that you manure know? besides Reese's Pieces maybe it was dang Reese's maybe, Pieces maybe he had sugar he was diabetic or yeah. something or, or that's literally all he <laughs> ate for three or four days here's my thought and it only clicked in place after I found out that he was a plant okay what do plants uh, breathe in sunlight well, I mean, sunlight for energy and you know, stuff yeah. like that. But they take in carbon dioxide, yeah, yeah. and they expel oxygen. Correct, right? So they need the car, like just like we take in oxygen and we expel carbon dioxide. Yeah. But if we took in carbon dioxide, we'd probably de- die. So he needed to suck in on an so exhaust think, pipe. <laughs> well, no, that's carbon monoxide. Yeah, yeah, we don't want carbon monoxide. Yeah, who knows? He might, he might like it for dessert. You know? <laughs> A little little bit of tailpipe yeah. for dessert. So. If he is a plant and all he's getting is oxygen, right? Maybe that's why he's getting sick. I now now it could be like uh, other planets or something like that, or you know, take in whatever. But you know, here on Earth, it's like plants take in oxygen, or that they, they take in carbon dioxide and uh, they expel oxygen. And so yeah, I yeah, you think you think if they have the you know their their poop plants that that are able to create a spaceship poop and travel plants. across to different galaxies, something unlike have a mask or something. us, yeah, something like us cannot do. They would wear a mask or a suit, yeah, a suit or, something. or something. I'm sorry, yeah. but that just again, it's you know that very well yeah. could be another Rachel moment, by the way. Yeah, no, obviously, and obviously, Elliot's only sick because ET's sick right, and they're right, linked right, right. and everything. So he feels everything that ET. So it's not Elliot; it's coming from ET. And the only thing I can think of is the carbon dioxide thing he's just yeah. spent too much time breathing theory. in the oxygen good theory um could be that it could be like what happened to the world of the worlds you know it was the microorganisms he hasn't yeah. been on earth long enough to have an immune system yeah. that can handle our bacteria whereas right. us humans we do it no problem without even you know missing a step because our immune right. system's like yeah we got that or i mean it could be like when he was watching TV, he could have caught an episode of Jersey Shore, you know, and that's probably why he's sick, you know. <laughs> but here's what confirms it for me. Yeah. Okay, so when he dies, right, he's dead. What do they put him in? A plastic bag with no air or no anything else. But they put him in ice, right? Right. right dry right. ice, probably. Right. Uh-huh. And you got, what is dry ice? It, it, Carbon dioxide. You, oh, yeah. Carbon dioxide is frozen ice, so way. he's in that little pod thing with the window. He's fro- they're, they're putting him on ice and everything, because remember, they're like, let's put him on ice. And But you could tell it's dry ice because it's still steaming. Yeah. And so he's getting that saturation of carbon dioxide, and then suddenly he came back to life again. Well, maybe, so that's my and, thought. And that's that's a good thought. I just, you know, that's kind of one of those things where I, I consider this a plot hole. 
in a, in a way of speaking because you know they don't explain it not, not even the scientists people the FBI or whoever they are CIA like it's never explained in the story it, why they it, got sick why he got sick yeah. and how he came back to life you know and so it's I mean, granted, I mean, I'm, I think they had oxygen on him and yeah. nothing was helping. I'm thinking like Steven Spielberg was probably like, this is really not important to explain this. Maybe why, not. you know, or maybe we're was, talking. That's why he's here. a plant. Yeah, <laughs> that's know? true. I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, he wants he wants the audience of the children yeah, because, he, again, they're going to bring the parents. And he had to and, figure out some way to get him sick. Yeah. Yeah. So and to show that link between him and Elliot. Right. So then Elliot goes in there and opens up the thing, and he's been saturated in the dry ice and everything. And then suddenly he's he's comes back and he you know he starts glowing just as he shuts the thing. But I guess that means people are coming. So he comes up with another idea, mm-hmm. and then we get our second Stranger Things moment. Well, this is more of the Stranger Things mo- moment, right? Hey, go get our bikes and meet us here and everything. And then you have just this fun thing for kids this 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 chase scene yeah where you got all the first of all it's been awesome uh, first of all it's michael driving the thing and, yeah. and and all that and then the kids riding after and then they all get on the bikes and they go on those like dirt piles where you yeah. know it's leveled down and everything and you notice elliot's like you know okay gr- granted elliot's what how old 11 right 11 He's just chilling by the back of the van, you know, and you're you're seeing, you know, they do yeah, the I'd shots. Be like, oh shit, I'm I know fall out. exactly <laughs> at at eleven year old eleven year old doing that, but you know, you're getting these scenes and you're seeing the van, you know, bouncing around, bouncing around, but then it cuts to the scene of inside and the Michael's van. Michael's not a good driver, because remember, he's never driven forward, forward before. Correct, correct. <laughs> but but then you get the you know the shots to the back of the uh, van with Elliot, and it's barely even moving. You know what I mean? Like you can see that it's moving from the background, but it's barely moving. Right. So, and you're like. uh um, you know, that kid could have fell off. But then he's like, here, let's just try to pull all these off there so nobody can track us. But, you know, I mean, they found him, obviously, but they, it, it you know, we, we come to find out that this guy, Keys, you know, we're, we're thinking, oh, man, he's such a bad guy. He's such a bad guy. But then you kind of see start seeing little little pieces here and there that, you know, he, he was willing to do anything to help et and when et was dying he even told elliot he's like what can we do yeah. differently to help yeah. him we want to help him we don't want him to yeah. die now he could have been saying that because yeah they didn't want him to die they want to be able to take him back and experiment and correct, all correct. this kind of stuff but but I, I think in a way it was more or less like you know if he's dead then it works out for everybody you know what i mean he doesn't have to hunt this creature he doesn't have to try to track this creature he doesn't have to try to imprison the creature it's already dead you know it's kind of like you know and also what if they come back yeah when you exactly out weaknesses and different right things. right and so i, I think kind of in a way he what he wasn't doing it for nefarious reasons i yeah. think he was really just truly just i mean he thought it was a miracle because he you know he yeah he, he, just, he wanted to see this he had know? one uh he had that sense of wonderment about him you know i think that he joined this particular whatever these agents are, a particular branch of government. The men in black. Where he knew that's what he'd be doing. But he didn't have all like the sinister attentions that probably his higher ups did or no. the strict but, but it, it I gotta be an agent that. of his of his peers or yeah. whatever. He's he's like going along with it, but he just wants to see it and experience it. And Spielberg's and, great at at showing that, you know, I mean just again, you know, he shot he started shooting in this movie where it was you know, at a lower perspective, you know, a, a child's perspective or right. a T's perspective. So he makes this guy look like seriously, you know, evil, Ominous have nefarious, yeah, nefarious um, doings. doings and whatnot. But he, you know, and then you get to meet the guy and you realize, you know, look, there's the wonderment. And he's got a kind there's face. There's the wonderment, you know. He's got a kind yeah. face, too. So, and you know, that guy, uh, Peter Coyote? 
Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he auditioned for um, for Indiana for Jones. Elliot. Oh, okay. <laughs> he he auditioned for Indiana Jones, and he came. He even wore a fedora. His agent was like, "Here, wear a fedora." So he wore a fedora in there, and then as he he marched in the room to go do his thing, and he tripped over a lamp wire. <laughs> It, and it just took away the whole swagger <laughs> of Indiana Jones, and so like immediately yeah. like he lost the part doing that. But that's like Steven Nathan Spielberg. Fillion uh, trying to be, uh, you know, yeah, Indiana exactly. Jones. It's like, eh, yeah, exactly. Not really a true fit because he's so goofy and everything. Yeah. But that's why he wanted him this. Uh, that's why Spielberg wanted him this because he's like, yeah, he's an adult, but he has the sense of wonder of yeah. a child yeah. searching for not to do anything to just to see and to witness yeah. that life. So and I, mean, I think we see we see that at the end too because yeah, he could he have easily it. caught ET, got on that ship or captured ET, and probably would have got away with it because this is not radiotis people. Here's where yeah. I'm at, and this you know. is not a combative uh, race. You know, you find out ET's not really a, they're 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 smart and they have powers in, in a way, but they're not a combative race. Yeah, you know, and so he could have easily took the ET off there, like you said. You know, call calling the guys to to come and pick him up, but. He he respected it, you know. He respect. He, he got just his wanted moment. to see it. He got his moment. All he, wanted, all he wanted was to see it. Now it, it sucked for him because he when he finally saw it, the alien was sick. Yeah. But now he got to see it and all, you know, being healthy and getting on a ship yeah. and all that. And a wrong stuff. get righted, you know, basically. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, they go on that that chase scene, and then of course, you know, all the kids and in the Stranger Things fashion, they come up to that blockade. It should be the ET fashion, really. Yeah, I know. I know. In in the the ET fashion, yeah, we keep saying they use the powers, and instead of making the van go over them, (laughs) they go over the van, and they they go for their little flight. If do you remember now? Did you watch the one that I rented? Yeah. Okay, because there is a re-release that they did. And it had a computer animated face of E.T. and it made it look weird. And <laughs> you can't even find him anymore now because <laughs> Steven Spielberg realized he was wrong in doing that and promised to never do that to any of his old movies again. Yeah. But also in that movie, those guys had shotguns at the blockade yeah. uh-huh. and they digitally removed them and had them holding walkie talkies instead because yeah. they didn't want the gun thing. It was just like in 2002, there had been school shootings and all kinds of stuff. So they were trying to take out the guns and stuff. Yeah. But, anyways. Um, they take off and they fly and these kids that these other kids that were friends that had no part in the rest of the movie suddenly get to be there at the climax so uh, i just thought that was weird but whatever but um they're the wolf pack yeah that's hangover you know when et was dead he said you know you must be dead because i don't know how to feel yeah. Do you think he was really dead at that time, or do you think it, that ET just broke the connection? So that I can't really say. Dead? I can just kind of feel like he, maybe he was always alive, or maybe he just had a factory reset, like you do on your phones or something. You <laughs> or know? the carbon dioxide yeah, thing. Yeah, I think they were reaching over at each other. So he, you know, I think ET realized that he was making Elliot sick, and so he broke the connection. And maybe that connection was keeping ET alive, like he was using, like not knowingly, but. In being connected to Elliot, it was keeping E.T. alive, even though they were sick. It was a parasite, kind of dragging them a all parasite, yeah, a parasite-type relationship. Right. And as soon as that they released, E.T. got worse, Elliot got better, and E.T. like circled the drain after that, you know? Yeah. So I, it, it could be hangover from the beers for all we know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so then they, uh, they, they, they get to the final scene. On their way there... Um, you know, Steven Spielberg had trouble. Well, it was more John Williams had trouble matching up. 
oh, I read about this. The, this is awesome. Yeah, the end scene to the music. You know, he he, he had the, the end scene. It's when the kids were flying in the sunset, and then they land, and, and then the sweeping music at the end and everything. How'd they it, land so perfectly, by the way? I don't know. A lot better than how Elliot landed <laughs> yeah, on his, on his own the first time. They're like, skirt, skirt, skirt. I know. Perfectly. And then, but I know. mean, if you saw how they were they were jumping those dunes yeah. and stuff, they're actually pretty good. Yeah, so. yeah. But the fact that everybody was a BMX rider back in the yeah, day. Yeah, the too. fact that when Elliot first landed after the first time flying with ET <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, goes yeah, flying, the bike goes flying, you know, Elliot goes flying. It's like, you hear him go, yeah. <laughs> He used so many different. He used uh, um, Spielberg's voice for him for ET. He used uh, the, well, the lady was was a Tua Pack smoker. Yeah. That was the lady of uh, or Spiel- was the voice of ET. And Spielberg just did the voice on set, yeah. so that the actors could hear. But then, yeah, Ben Burt, who yeah. was like the sound designer of our childhood, yeah, you know, he came up with the noise for lightsabers, blasters, Tie Fighters, you know, anything in Star Wars. He came up with the noise for it. Uh, the sound for it or whatever. It's like they're connected somehow. Yeah, or something. It's, it's like Steven Spielberg and George Lucas are best friends. Yeah, but, or something. Um, but yeah, so he had trouble matching up, the, and it just wasn't sounding right to Steven Spielberg. And John Williams was having a little issues, too, because of the timing of how it was edited, because uh-huh. it was already edited at this point. Yeah. So Spielberg just goes, look, and he shuts off the screen. He goes, do it how you want to do it. Yeah. Do it how it's natural to you to you do it. So John Williams did it how it was natural for him to do it and how it should sound musically because the music, music has to be in time right. Yeah. It can't be off time where it's going to make everything, even if you're watching whatever, that auditory, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. So that has to be perfect. So he made the music and then Steven Spielberg edited the re-edited the end yeah. around My, John minor edits, music. it was said it was it all just it for took time a, yeah it just took a little bit of minor edits it wasn't something like it was a huge deal but it just like showed it goes when it's sweeping part he wanted that to be at the right time and you hear a lot of similarities and stuff that he did that was other than Star Wars, you know what I mean. And, you can and, tell John Williams. Yeah, you can tell because music. I mean, just some of the, some of the way that the the music sounds and the way it, there's a lot of similarities. Same thing with Hans him. Zimmer. Yeah, Hans Zimmer is my favorite. I know that there's some stuff going on with him, some sketchy stuff going on with him in Hollywood right now. Yeah. But he's still my favorite composer. Like John Williams is right there, and I would say maybe even tied with Hans Zimmer just because he was so part of the childhood. But yeah. if I had to pick the ones that I like more, Hans Zimmer hands down. Yeah, for me it's RZA. So Rizza, yeah. <laughs> Who's Rizza? He's the one that did all the Blade movies. Don't oh, laugh at me. <laughs> Blade. Rizza is pretty. I mean, he, this dude's sick. Okay, I liked it. Whatever. Was it like electronic music? Yeah, yeah. He he. Well, I mean, he's Rizza is also in Wu Tang. He helped start Wu Tang. Oh, duh. What the hell am I thinking <laughs> yeah. of? But he did. He did Blade. He's done several uh, movies where he's done the score for it and everything else like that. But I mean, he really is a, a, a genius when it comes to the uh, that the producing music. Yeah. You know? And we were talking about special effects too back in the. Do you remember the ET video game? Yes, I do. <laughs> Holy it's crap. still to this. I hadn't even thought about it until just now. Yep. Still to this day, it is considered to be the worst game of all time, yep. worst video game okay. of all time, because the premise of it is you have a little amorphous shape that kind of looks like ET. It looks like poop. It it like looks like this poop, weird right? backwards C, and you know it's it's weird and it's crappy. <laughs> but you and then you have these colors, 
and they're so like slightly different shades of color. No, it's like this. You know, here's his body, and here's his neck, and here's his head. Oh yeah, that's right. It's it's really weird. And then you just got these weird, uh, like a blue, and then a darker color blue, and the darker color blue is a pit, and you have to drop down into pits to find the machinery to build your phone to call home. Yeah. And that's the whole movie, and it's just colors. And the little a little blob of ET walking around. There's no like discernible shapes of anything. You're look. You're just dropping into holes. And fi- they should have put that video awful. game in like a Wreck It Ralph movie oh, or something. I think that would be kind of cool like to actually. Frogger had yeah. more to it than yeah. this game, you know. Yeah. And it, it came out for the Atari. It was just awful. And you know, yeah. the, it was something that they slapped together in probably like I think it was like four weeks or something like that. And uh, it was probably something that they had like a, like the they had like the basics to another game that they yeah. had started on, yeah. and just slapped the ET shape in there and said, "Just release it." It's like those artists get it out there so we can start making money. Yeah, it's like those artists that uh, that just throw paint at a canvas. You know that the, the video game creators like here, let's just throw some exactly. animation over here. Little even 2D, that would have been l- better. A little two D action. This was here. so plain. It was just colors and little circles that he would drop. That was it. They they took Mario's boot and then turned it into <laughs> basically basically that's it. turned it into that's ET. It. it took him like two weeks Correct. to get it done they chopped off some of his boot and put it on a video game. and it did so bad that they took all the consoles the games the cartridges <laughs> and they put in this is the the uh this is the rumor or the uh urban legend is that yeah. they buried him in a hole in arizona somewhere or something like that because there were so I, I was many watching of something them. like that about so many of a them different video sell. game yeah yeah so uh <clears throat> anyways um so this they, they they land and then they, they you have the big um the big finale where he t- tells everybody goodbye. He tells Gertie the first thing that she taught him, which was be good. I just want to say goodbye. There's no goodbye. Be good. Yes. Uh, he tells Michael, thank you. Something we didn't hear him say throughout the whole movie, something we never saw anybody teach him. But he saw what Michael did. Now, Michael didn't have too much of a connection with him as much as maybe Gertie or... or but he was looking after his little brother and his little sister. Yeah, and he, I think Michael or E.T. could see that Michael was taking care of his yeah. family, and he mm-hmm. was there for his family. So I think he was also saying, thank you for taking care of my friend, Elliot, yeah. you know, yeah. because he needs you. And, you know, E.T. Yeah. E. kind of understood what that, that Elliot was going because through o- some stuff. Obviously, you know? like the mother, you know, I mean, the mother... I'm not saying it wasn't the mother's fault because you don't really get that much background besides the fact that, you know, they broke up, what, like a couple months ago and I think it he's was already like in Mexico. A good few months or at least or a year because they were already divorced. Yeah. And everything, so. But what I'm saying is like he's already with a girl right. named, with Sally, Sally, who the kids know who it is. Yeah, he's he's so in Mexico it, with Sally. It, it makes you think that basically the husband cheated on the wife and moved on. Yeah, like he was like maybe a secretary or something. Right. And that, so Michael, you know, E.T. recognized the fact that Michael was like the, the father you know, in in this picture to to his brother and his sister, and and almost kind of like the husband to the to his mom, you know, you know that kind of thing. He was just kind of like the male standing, you know, and and so I think Et saw that that he really was, you know, he could be a little jerk sometimes, but I mean, the kid's like what sixteen, fifteen years old, 
what do you expect when he's got a little brother that's a couple years only, you know. And honestly, because of the awkward looks that they were given, you know, yeah, his dad went to Mexico. Maybe it's Mexico. Yeah. Maybe that was the story they were told. Maybe, maybe, that's was, why she maybe the mom said Mexico. he went to Mexico. Yeah. Or maybe the dad said, hey, I'm going to Mexico or something. But they, really something else is going on, you know. Yeah. Maybe they, they just use that to say he's left them right. and gone very far away. You know, by the end of the movie, Elliot realizes he's been doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, he'd be doing the same thing if he left. And that's yeah. why when uh, E.T. said, um, come, and Elliot goes, stay. You know, yeah. Elliot wasn't asking E.T. to stay because he knew he couldn't stay. That's the whole point of getting him to the ship. Yeah. Uh, this is the, the thing about words and phrases that I was talking about in this movie. E.T. says, come, meaning come with me. Yeah. You know, you, you're not happy here. Come with me or you haven't been or whatever. And Elliot doesn't say stay as an E.T. You stay. Yeah. He's saying, no, I have to stay. I know what I'm good. Uh, you know, I'm good now. Yeah. Um, stay. Yeah. And I think that ET understands or responds by saying. He doesn't know how to say, I'm going to miss you. Yeah. And you, know, okay. you mean a lot to me. So he just says, ouch, because he probably feels that grief or that, yeah. oh, that sucks. Or the heartburn. And that's the only way he knows how to yeah. say, ouch. Um, so so that's how, him saying, I'll miss you. And then it's the closest, so it's the closest CT you can get to explain that his heart will hear or he'll miss him. And then I'll be right here is what E.T. said to, hit, to E.T., to comfort him whenever he brought him in the room. What Elliot said to E.T.? Yeah, because yeah. when he brought him in the room, he showed him the toys, and he goes, are you hungry? He's like, I'm hungry. And he's like, okay, stay right here. He's like, okay. He's like, I'll be right here. I'll be right here. He was trying to calm him. Yeah. And so he saw that Elliot was getting upset, and E.T. goes, I'll be right here. Yeah. You know, trying to comfort him. Like, I'll always be with you. We'll yeah. always remember each other. E.T. did that? Uh, maybe. There was, see, there was a book that was written as a sequel. Yeah. Some, uh, somebody that wrote... Uh, what other... They, they wrote some other stuff, but they wrote a sequel to this. And basically, it was from E.T.'s perspective. He was back in his home world. But he's like monitoring Elliot and seeing that yeah. Elliot's turning into somebody else and not 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 yeah. doing too well so he he tries to figure out a way he can help Elliot or something like that I, I read a little bit on it but it sounded weird but well he, he can he can send uh uh et could send uh boba fett to put him back into the line yeah he could know? yeah he could so or, or really same universe yeah but remember a long time ago in a galaxy far so all those people are dead yeah i mean but, even, I mean, even it might the be people long, in the horrible sequel they're all dead too. Right before George Lucas passes, he says, "Oh, tricked you." Right. Chewbacca is maybe it, still alive. Yeah. That dude lives forever. Yeah, he's true. over two hundred years old. But uh, you know, this is supposed to be like uh, Spielberg's childhood. 
you know, uh, E.T. represents Elliot losing his childhood, uh, you know, when, when he has to grow up after his parents' divorce. So, he, you know, his parents get divorced, and uh, he's right at that age where it's time to start growing up a little bit. It's time to start, you know, being a little bit more mature, stop being so much of a child mm -hmm. and become more of an adolescent who can learn how to deal with their feelings better and everything. So I think, you know, E.T. coming along and everything that that's, that's supposed to be whenever E.T. leaves and stuff, he, he's, he can handle himself better. He can handle his emotions better. He sees what his family did to help him get his friend E.T. onto the mm -hmm. ship and to, to get out of here safely. <clears throat> you know, he realizes that his family does love him. You know, it's like that broken yeah. family, but now they've all found a way to be together and, and, and they're going to start like from this point on, they're going to become, they don't need a father figure. You know, yeah. they, they're going to become more of a family. It seemed like they were trying to like start something between jangly keys and the mom or something. Cause you know, they were talking when ET was saying, you never know that could be her actual date. And they, they set up everything so that she would leave the house so that they could something. go in there to look at the house. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that could have been it. But, I mean, you know, it, it, he was standing in the place of where the father usually would be in yeah. a scene like yeah. that. He was standing right by the mother. And, you know, they were watching together. All the kids do stuff. So I think, you know, he's in a lot better place, you know, healthier. And, you know, this is, this is him letting go of, his, you know, having one last adventure for his childhood before he starts to, you know, grow up and, you know, realize that his, his well, dad's I mean, going to do his own thing. Yeah, yeah. Know? I mean, I get that part about it, but I mean, look at his brother. His brother wasn't too grown up, really. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the family was to healed, point, right? Yeah. You know, we yeah. had the healing finger, uh, you know, A.T.'s healing finger. You know, <laughs> we only used it once or he only used it once. Yeah. He tried to use it again when the dude had the knife through his head because he thought he was hurting. He's like, ouch, ouch. Okay. But you know, at that I think that whole healing finger, you know, I think it also showed that E.T. healed healed the family. He was like almost like a healing plant, right? Yeah. Like a a, a balm or <laughs> salve from some kind of a plant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like wherever you get like uh, like uh, poppy, uh, you know, where you get heroin from, or something yeah, like that. <laughs> some kind of a medicine. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it, it, but it, you know, it showed uh, it showed Elliot that his family did care about him. Uh, you know, because you know what he'd be like, yo, my dad would have believed me. You know, towards the beginning, mm -hmm. and I just brought them all close together. And then, of course, he took off and. John Williams' epic score continues yeah. to just soar. It's one of these movies where this is a John Williams movie. Mm -hmm. Superman is a John Williams yeah. movie. Indiana Jones, Star Wars, those are John Williams movies. You know, you can't really say that much about composers, but there's such his his pieces on those movies and most of his pieces in particular are such a huge part of the movie. Yeah, you can only almost call them if you know from a music standpoint or whatever yeah. <laughs> a John Williams movie. But uh, anyways, uh, what's your favorite part of this movie? First of well, first of all, is it did it hit just as good as it oh, yeah. did Better. when you were younger? Better. Better. I Better. think I think so too because I loved this movie when I was younger and then I think I watched it when I was growing up a little bit and I was kind of bored with it. Yeah. Um and and then I showed it to my daughter and I really I liked it because she did this thing where she took a plant and she squatted down real sweat and she's like, "I'll be right here." <laughs> 
and then she did this little squat walk up the stairs. It was hilarious. Oh goodness! And I have to mention that. But yeah, um, I I just I didn't find as much enjoyment out of it when I was you know before that when I was older. But I think it was like examining this movie again, like we've been talking about how it does. Uh, and maybe just it's been so long since I saw yeah. it and really paid attention to it. Um, but I just I, I'm glad that it hit for you as as good as it did for oh, for me yeah. because it hit real good. What's your favorite part? Probably right when the the brother and the sister uh, find out that Elliot is not pulling their chain. And, oh, when they walk Drew in. Barrymore right. is like they're dragging Drew Barrymore across the screen <laughs> She's with her mouth shut, <laughs> and her brother is trying to keep her hush, and then. You know, the, the sick, supposedly sick boy it just shows up right in front of his mom looking cheery and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah, that was you know? a little awkward. She's like, oh, yeah. I guess you're feeling better, huh? <laughs> yeah, and the, the, how oblivious the mother really was. You know, I mean, her, her head's still in the clouds and her head's and still... And for obvious reasons. Uh, obviously, yeah, but I mean, her head's still... She's not all there. You yeah. know, she's just going through her daily grind. She's not even realizing what's going on around yeah. her. You know, she was she was awesome in this movie yeah. too, but but she portrayed it. I have two favorite parts. I mean, obviously, like you know, I've told you before, I'm a I'm a climax guy. You know, I really like a good, a good like sweeping climax or or you know when when things are epic scenes. You know, like the Ferris Bueller. I talked about the parade scene. You yeah. know, the big sweeping music number and those big epic scenes. So obviously, I really like the end personally or whatever. I really like, and it's weird because two young kids you know kissing and everything yeah. but it's one of those like it, you know when i was younger i just remember that was right around when i was liking girls and everything and you know it was like this romantic thing and it was like he was just like reenacting what they did on the t and then for some reason john hughes uh, john hughes john williams. williams he has those the the three little notes that just happened i was like It kind of like sweeps back into the the ET theme and everything. I don't know. I just thought it was cool because like it, it's it's a weird part of the movie because you know you have the music and, and the sound we with ET at home, but it's laid over him at school where there's chaos going, yeah. but it's all quiet as he's sweeping this girl who obviously has a crush on him throughout yeah. the movie. Yeah, you have these weird scenes where she's like like staring at him from behind, and then he turns around. Yeah. She's like, "Hi, Elliot." Yeah, I know. And she's, like, she's, she's like, she looks, oh God. It reminds me like, of Dwight with Angela right behind him. It's like, oh yeah, God. Yeah. <laughs> For Di Dwight to be uh, freaked out that badly too, that just is hilarious. Yeah. What's but but uh, no, I mean, she she did like, I swear she looked like four or five years older than him. Yeah. I don't she, know. She definitely was like at least half a foot taller than him. Yeah. What's the yeah. uh, worst part? Do you have a worst part? The worst part was probably the fact that I didn't get to find out what the heck was wrong with E.T. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Why he was sick. You know, I just, it, it, I don't like being left in the dark. I mean, they didn't even have to go in and say, oh, it's this, this, this caused by this. They could have said, oh, he's, or just you know, they did it. say he had a cardiac arrest. Right. Like he basically had well, a heart attack. What caused him to be sick in the first what place? What caused him, that's the only part I don't like about the film. I and mean, they could have said anything, just like your carbon monoxide theory, uh, you know, Dioxide. or whatever careful with chemistry or, i mean heck it could be yeah <laughs> careful know, with right. chemistry kids yeah you know i mean or it could be the reese's pieces um it could be a lot of things or jersey shore either jersey one of shore. any of those it's probably so. a jersey shore i think thing. so that's what makes this most sense i don't know if i have a worse part of this movie i think about you know there are parts that i like more than others you know some of the, like the slower parts and stuff but 
that's just because I wanted to get to the good stuff already, you know. So, but it does a good job of doing the slow build. Um, this is such an iconic scene. Yeah. Or, I mean, uh, an iconic movie. It has such iconic scenes. If it's an adventure movie, which is like kind of like the most most of what he does is like adventure well, movies yeah, and stuff. Yeah. He he's the king of adventure. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's like what I said uh, National before, Treasure and those yeah. types of movies were after. But that's why I said at the beginning of the episode, you know, I mean, he he always provides a hero in all of his films. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always that one hero that, you know, it, it might take a little minute to get there, but he eventually gets there. Just like with Elliot, you know, he's the hero of our story. You know, it's not really E.T. I mean, you know, it, it's Elliot. And so, you know, it took him a while to get there to the fact that, you know, he's the hero and, and so yeah. on and so forth. Indiana Jones fighting, being the hero. The mummy. You know, the, yeah. With Brendan Fraser, you yeah. know, doing that. You know, it's just whenever you uh, you have like the mummy or National Treasure with Nicolas Cage or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, Lara Croft, yeah. you know, all these adventurers. That kind of stuff, you know, the people that make the Laura Croft movies, they were yeah. probably E.T. fans and oh, Indiana absolutely. Jones fans. Yeah. I mean, when they when they were younger, you know, so you just have this 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 director who's known for fun adventure movies. He can make serious movies, Lincoln, you know, Empire yeah. of the Sun. Um, but but these are all great and, have great endings, except for obviously Lincoln. You know, he gets shot, but we already knew that. Empire now. of the Sun. I yeah. mean, are there, are there, uh, Schindler's List, yeah, yeah, it has an all right ending. I mean, it's still yeah. some terrible things that happen and everything. Yeah. And but I don't know. It's just I, I'm really excited to do some other Steven Spielberg movies yeah. this month um, because they we got two more coming up. And just to let our audience know, we're gonna uh, start taking the last week of every month off um, because I don't know about Drew, but I need a break at least once a one, yeah. <laughs> at least once. A month, um, but again, that can be that can change day to day. Yeah, and, and it's going to be a thing where we're we're going to allow ourselves to have a free week, and if we're still good to go and we want to do something, we're, we'll go ahead and put another episode out. Now, this month, not so much because we got some personal stuff we got to deal with, but um, but yeah, for the next uh, for this week and the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing some Steven Spielberg until we get into some other fun stuff in October. Uh, but stick with us because we got. Um, we got Minority Report and Catch Me If You Can coming up. Because, Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, these are some awesome, amazing uh, Spielberg movies we're about mm-hmm. to get into. So, But we had to start it off with E.T. Yeah. We thought about Jaws, but our friends over at The Horror and Heels just did a review on that. So go check that out if you get a chance. Um, and we'll probably do that some other time. But um, go check that out if you get a chance. Uh, we're doing E.T. and a few others. Uh, stick with us, and uh, I think we'll have some good time. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we're on all social media at The Post Credit Podcast, uh, except for Twitter. We're at The Post Credit. Our email address is thepostcreditpodcast at gmail.com. We have a website. It's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com, and we're on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time. And throw me a bone.